presence of the Lord. So I'll recap very, very quickly today because I have a ton to get to. But we talked about how 5784 and the word doors, we talked, we've been talking about doors over the last couple of weeks. And so the year 5784 is the year of the door. Amen. And we talked about the doors of the sanctuary and we talked about the doors of the dwelling place and we talked about the doors of government. Amen. We have talked about how great and effective doors come with many adversaries, right? We talked about how great and effective doors come with many enemies. They come with many adversities. They come with many mountains. Amen. Come on, whatever you want to call it. They come with many enemies, right? And then we talked about how sometimes, last week we talked about this, we talked about how sometimes our greatest enemy is enemy. Come on, somebody. Our greatest enemy is in me. We talked about how, you know, we dealt with iniquities last week and how iniquities is that thing that you are bent towards. It's that thing that you lean towards. Uh, iniquities are even passed from the third and fourth generation of the father down to the children. Amen. And so we talked about iniquities. And I explained to you as we kicked off this series that I would base some of the messages off of doors in the natural because what happens in the natural is usually a picture or reflection of what can be going on in the spiritual world. Amen. So some doors have to be pushed open. Some doors need keys. Doors open vertically. Some doors open horizontally. Some doors only open with a knock or a ring. Come on, somebody. Uh, meaning that you got to get somebody's attention before the door is opened. Amen. And then I told you about this presence door. Y'all bear with me just a second as I set the table. Y'all good? Then I told you that there was a presence doors. And presence doors have to do with timing. They open when you get there, and timing has a lot to do with it. They open when you get there, and timing has a lot to do with it, meaning that your presence is the thing that opens the door. Are you following me? And they open sometimes at certain times like a vault. Amen. So I want to go ahead and give everybody a warning today that as we get started, I hope you brought your arm floaties and watched that video that I put on Facebook yesterday because we go into the deep end of the pool today. We, we, I'm going to talk about some things that some of y'all are just going to be like, what did he just say? But that's all right. You ask the Lord to give you understanding and he'll give you understanding. And don't ask me to repeat a thing that ain't on these notes because God been blowing my mind back too. Amen. You know, I've been studying this stuff pretty hard this week and it just, God is just awesome. Can I just say that? That God is awesome and his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. The way that he functions, maneuvers and operates is just amazing to me. Amen. Some stuff we're going to discuss today is some of the deepest and most debated doctrinal issues in Christianity. I told you we're going deep, so we're going to go deep. I, I'm not going. Can I just say this? I don't have any interest in pastoring a shallow church. Oh, I knew I wasn't going to get no amens on that. I said, I'm not interested in pastoring a shallow church. The writer of Hebrews goes on to say, he says, we need to move on from the elementary principles talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and Jesus and the remission of sins. We need to go deeper from time to time to understand the things of God so that we can reflect God in all of the earth, which is the purpose of Christianity. 
is so that you will reflect your creator. You were created in the Imago Dei, meaning you were created in the image of God. Amen. So his whole purpose of creating you and putting you here on the face of the earth is that you would reflect him. Come on, somebody. Not so that you would go to church and sit on a pew and never do anything in your life, throw a couple of dollars in a bucket and, and, and then just, you know, check off your religious box. No, he created you with a purpose for you to change and shift the earth around you. Come on. I'm preaching and I ain't even preaching yet. You're not here just to come to church or be religious. You were put on the face of the earth to reflect him. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. So sects of Christianity are based off of what we're going to talk about today. And there is a great division. By the way, it only creates division with the immature. It only creates division with the immature. But sects of Christianity are based off of some of the things that we're going to talk about today. And this country boy from Middle Tennessee with no seminary degree is going to explain this to you. So buckle up, sweetheart. Come on, somebody. The Lord brings revelation to the reader of the scripture. So I encourage you, just ask him to reveal what is behind the scriptures. And the Lord, our God, will reveal to you what is behind the scriptures. You don't got to have a degree or a plaque saying that you went to school to study the word of God and for him to tell you what it is that he is speaking. Come on, how many of you know, if you just get to know the author a little bit, you can understand what it is that he's actually speaking. So when you read the scriptures with the author, he'll reveal things to you. Amen. Come on, if you're ready to go on this wild ride with me of predetermined presence doors, slap your neighbor and tell him, here we go. (laughs) Hallelujah. So here we go. Main thought, key number one I want to give you is this, books and works, books and works. The writer David here in Psalm 139, 16, he says, your eyes have seen my formless substance. And in your book, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me before there ever was one of them. So David here, while pinning this psalm, gives us insight into the heavenly realm where he says, you've seen my unformed substance. Translation of that is, you've seen me and you knew me before I ever had a body. And we'll get to that here in a second. And he says, in your book, in my book, were written all the days that were ordained before me before I ever had one. Something that we really need to get a hold of when trying to understand God is that he is in eternity and everything that is in eternity is already finished. Everything that's it, we are in time. We are living in space and time right now in this moment. But God is in eternity, and and actually time and space are in God, is what the scriptures tell us. But there are books that are in heaven, and several of them, there's several books that are in heaven, actually. And I don't have time to unpack them all, but there's the book of remembrance, then there's the Lamb's book of life. And we all know what the Lamb's book of life is, right? That is for those who are saved, their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And when you stand before God, he's going to open that book. And if your name is not in that book, you'll be separated from him forever. So there are several books in heaven, and one of them is a book about your life. There is a book that is in heaven about my life. There's a book that is in heaven about your life. And watch this. Did you know that Jesus had a book too? Psalm chapter 40, verses 7 and 8. This is a prophecy. David again writing of Jesus. Then he said, behold. 
I have come. It is written of me in the scroll of your book. And I delight to do your will, and your law is within my heart. This is a prophetic psalm of Jesus. Then it is repeated again here in Romans 10. And, and, and this explains what Jesus came to do and what was written in Jesus' book. I'm, I gave her a bunch of scriptures on Hebrews 10. I don't know that I'll read all of them, but watch this. Hebrews 10 verse 5 says this. Therefore, this is talking of Jesus. Therefore, when he came into the world, he says, you have not desired sacrifice and offering, but you have prepared a body for me. You have prepared a body for my spirit that was with you in the beginning. Jesus was with the Father in the beginning in the spirit form. And he says, I have come to do what is written in your book of me and you have prepared for me a body. I don't know if you know this or not, but that's your story and my story as well. I'll get to it here in a second. But he says, you have not taken uh, pleasure in offerings and and burnt offerings and offering for sin. Then I said, behold, I have come. It is written of me in the scroll of the book to do your will, O God. After uh, saying above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will and takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. I said I wasn't going to read it all, but I got to read it all. This is just too good. For by one offering, he has performed. Perfected for all time those who are sanctified and the Holy Spirit also testifies for us after saying this is the covenant which I will make with them after those days declares the Lord and I will put my law upon their hearts and I will write them on their mind and then he says and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more this is the gospel my friends this is some really good news that this was what was written in Jesus' book and he came and fulfilled it and he wrapped his spirit within a body and God placed him on the earth so that he would become the propitiation. Come on, somebody. So that he would become the price for your sin and my sin and your junk and my junk and Jesus came to fulfill it and once he came to fulfill it and his spirit now lives within us, he says that now I've written the law of God on their heart And in their mind. When you get born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, that is what happens to you. Jesus comes and fulfills what is written in his book. So do you want to know what this tells us? This tells us that what is written in your book is your purpose. Yeah, 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 yeah. What is written in your book is your purpose. It is the thing that you are designed for. It is the thing that God has equipped you for. It is the thing that you were born for. Each and every one of you were born with a purpose and for a calling. And God has placed anointing and things on the inside of you for you to accomplish for the kingdom of God. Come on, who am I talking to in this place? It's time for some of us to get off the bench and get into the game because God's got a plan for your life, honey. God's got a plan for your life, sir. God has plans. And purposes for your life and there is work for you to accomplish for the kingdom of God that nobody else can do but you no, nobody else can fulfill what is written in your book the books of heaven are a beautiful correlation of mankind's free will and the sovereignty of God 
God works out his preordained will, plans, and purposes for our life. When we walk by his spirit, we will fulfill them. If we don't walk by the spirit, you won't even know what's written in your book, and therefore you cannot fulfill the plan and the purpose that God had written before you ever got here. You might be asking yourself, well, pastor, what does this have to do with the doctrine of predestination? Those scriptures don't even say anything about predestination. Well, some of the doctrine of predestination was built off of this text. And some read this and turn this into mankind are like robots and we have zero say so in our lives, which then in return negates responsibility. And that, my friends, is what we call bad theology. When you take a scripture and you build a doctrine off of it by saying, well, if God knows everything, that must mean that we don't have any kind of say so in what it is that we do in life. And no matter what I do, if I'm womanizing, I'm in drugs, I'm in this, I'm in that, that God has preordained, that God made me that way. And then there's no responsibility for the things that you have done in this life. Can I just say this? God didn't make me a drug addict. Come on, somebody. God didn't make me a womanizer. God didn't make me a violent, mad individual and a crazy person come on somebody he don't have anything to do with that I made some decisions but I serve a God who is so good and so great and so big that he is able to work out all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose I'm gonna deal with that more in a minute but hold on They think that because there's a book in heaven about your life, that your entire life is in that book. What you ate, what you wore today, what you did yesterday, or what you do tomorrow is predetermined by God. And that includes your sin, which God has nothing to do with. That includes your bad decisions. That includes your childhood trauma. When God is in control of everything and we're like robots, there's been so many people in our country and in the earth who've been molested by family members at childhood and child innocence been stripped from people you telling me that God has predestined and planned that for God for people God has nothing to do with wicked and evil you're telling me that he predetermined and set that into motion including people automatically being sent to hell with no chance to say yes to Jesus although the scriptures say that he desires that all shall be saved When people are, this is what happens when people get confused with foreknowledge and predestination. Foreknowledge and predestination are two totally different things. The doctrine as of predestination as far as meaning that God can predestine sinners, meaning that he predestines them to automatically go to hell and they cannot be saved, can be destroyed in one verse. James says it like this. Don't you dare blame God when you are tempted with sin. God cannot be tempted with evil. Watch this. Nor does he tempt anyone with evil. So how could a God who won't even tempt you with evil predestine you for wickedness and evil? That argument's over with. One scripture. That's all it takes. And there's plenty more. But there are certain things. Now watch this now. Now hear me out. 
Because they don't got everything wrong. Can I just say this? They don't have everything wrong. Let me tell you where error comes in with Christians. It's when we let the pendulum swing to the whole other side. Because we serve a God who is a God of balance. He says that an unbalanced life is an abomination to him. So you want to know what that means? Unbalanced preaching is an abomination to him. An unbalanced marriage, unbalanced finances, unbalancing anything to God is an abomination. He hates it. He does not like it. It does him no pleasure when there is unbalanced. So what happens is, is that we take one scripture or one verse and then we build an entire doctrine out of it and we leave the rest of them over here. But what would happen to the people of God and his church if we just took one verse of the Bible and put it with another verse of the Bible then put it with this chapter and this book and that book and we built it all together which is the word of God and we are his body and he is the word and he is the head and we are the body what if we just brought it all together in balance and watch because they don't have it all wrong so watch this God there is certain things that God does and he predetermined and he pre-planned for you to walk out in your life. There are doors, there are opportunities in time that God puts before you. Not all things, but some things. Let me put it like this. God is pre a uh, God predetermined the end game. God predetermines the end game. God is more worried about the end result than how you get there. He's more worried about the end result of who he's called you to be and your identity that is found in him more than he is in the details of how you get there. Where the Bible says you were predestined, it says that you were predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So in this life, he would create opportunities and works for you to do that would shape you and mold you into the image of Christ. That is what you were predestined for. God predetermined, predestined that the end result and then certain works in between the beginning and the end would make you more like Jesus. That is what predestination is about. Then in our free will, we will make decisions as well. And he's just so good that he's able to work it all out for our good and his glory. Amen. By the way, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Christians have argued for centuries over the stuff that I'm talking to you about today. And trying to understand all of this is pointless and sometimes can wear you out. Election, predestination, free will... Uh, the scriptures indicate that all of these things are there and only God can explain them and reconcile them all together. So can we stop arguing about these things and just get to a place where, hey, this is in the scriptures. This is true. I'm not going to cherry pick this and this, but I'm going to read all of the scriptures and I will declare the works of God in the land of the living and that God has preordained and predestined certain things for me to accomplish. But he didn't predestine me to go to hell. He didn't predestine me to be living in sin, but he's just so good that he's able to work it all out for my good and his glory and let's let bygones be got bygones and move forward amen can i just put it like this i'm gonna say this and then i'm gonna move on from the whole predestination thing and i know you're wondering well, what in the world does this have to do with doors don't worry i'm gonna tell you in a minute but how we reconcile free will with predestination let me just give you a tangible example right so let's say that you're a football fan and there is a game on that you really want to watch but you wasn't at your home when the game started so you set your dvr to watch that football game and then your bonehead friend come on somebody we all got them your bonehead friend 
text you the score, the final score at the end of the game. Y'all know who I'm talking about. We all got one of them, right? Come on, they text you so you know the end result. And now you're mad because you wanted to watch it live, but you go home and you watch it anyways, even though you know what's going to happen. But just because you know what's going to happen, does that change the fact that the players on the field had a free will? You're watching it in another dimension of time. Come on, you're watching it in another dimension of time. You know the end from the beginning, but that doesn't mean that you strip the players of their free will. Good teaching. Good teaching. God is outside of time, and in his foreknowledge, he knows what you're going to do before we do it, but that doesn't mean that he's causing you to do it. Now that I've nerded out on you on doctrinal stuff, let me get to some other things. Key word, uh, sub key here with works. Ephesians 2 and 10 says this, for we are the workmanship. We are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For we are the workmanship of his hand. Come on, somebody. You are the workmanship of God. Come on, you are the handiwork of God. You're special to God. He shaped you and molded you in your mother's womb. You're the handiwork of God. You want to know what this is descriptive? This is descriptive of him in a workshop in heaven one day and saying, I'm going to design Caleb McCall as a 6'4", red-headed, strapping young man. Come on, somebody. And I'm going to put a desire on the inside of him for him to love people and for him to care for people. And on the right day and in the right time, he will become a pastor. He's going to make some wrong turns. He's going to make some bad decisions. He's going to go through some wrong doors and he's going to go through some wrong opportunities. But one day I'm going to put forth a door in front of that young man. And if he decides to walk through that door, I am going to change everything for him. Who am I preaching to in this place? God is setting before you a door. He's setting before you an opportunity. He's setting before you an option and he says, if you will walk through this door, some of y'all are one door away from everything changing in your life. If you would have told me in 2015 while sitting in that program I'd be pastoring this great church, then that I'd be the director over two faith-based ministries, I'd have told you you're crazy. But there was a meeting that happened in heaven. There was a meeting that God had a meeting with himself and he said, I'm going to create this young man and then I'm going to put him in the earth to make a difference. Come on. What is God putting you in the earth to make a difference for? What are the desires of your heart? What are some things and some ministries and some opportunities? What is the business? What is the career that God has placed on the inside of you? For that is the thing that you were born for. He has designed you. And created you with a great plan and a great purpose. Each and every one of us. Come on, everybody hold this finger up right here. Y'all have heard me do this before, but some of you ain't. We got new faces all in the room. You are the only one on the face of the earth with that same fingerprint. You are, if you don't believe me, go to Bedford County Jail. They'll tell you, I promise you. <laughs> but you're the only one that can accomplish what God has put you on the earth to accomplish. Come on. You're his workmanship. Watch this. Now, you were created 
in Christ. So the Bible is teaching us without just coming out and saying it, that you had a heavenly existence before you ever got here. Ah, I've seen it. Some of y'all. You were created in Christ, and Christ is the Lamb, and the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world, and you and I were in the Lamb. (laughs) This is why Jesus enters the earth, and he says, I'm coming back for the kingdom. The kingdom is like a lost coin. The kingdom is like a lost sheep. The kingdom is like a lost pearl. The kingdom is like the kingdom. He keeps talking about the kingdom that is lost. And then he turns around and flips it on us. He says, the kingdom is on the inside of you. I'm trying to tell you that God's kingdom and your spirit, your inner man, is what had been lost. And Jesus came back to redeem it and restore it and make it heavenly again. This is why he says, reap. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Re meaning do over, pent meaning high. Jesus is telling you, don't just be sorry about your sin. Start thinking heavenly again. Start thinking like where you came from because heaven is on the inside of you and that's what you're a citizen of heaven is what the Bible says. Come on. So Jesus, when he says he's trying to get us to think heavenly again, which is where we are originally from. They ate of the what? Tree of knowledge of good and evil. Where is knowledge retained? In your mind. So your mind has been infected and affected, but your spirit, once it gets born again, it knows who you really are. That's why you can be in that club with a feeling of, I I just don't belong here. That's why you could be in that bar thinking to yourself, I don't know what it is, but I just don't belong here. That's why you can be in that crack house after you gave your life to God, but you have this sense and this feeling that, uh uh-uh, something is off with this. I I don't belong here. I've got testimonies of of drug addicts being in in meth houses and demons manifesting and them looking at them and say, you don't belong here. Well, why is that? It's because the spirit who came from God knows who they really are. And the spirit of God that is on the inside of you and your regenerated spirit knows where you're supposed to be. And it's time that we start listening to the Holy Spirit of God and get our butts out of places where we ain't supposed to be and start walking on this path that God has for us. Created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. He had a plan and he had a purpose before you ever got here. Paul here gives us an incredible nugget when talking about being created in Christ Jesus as well. Paul says you have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. What does Christ mean? Anointed. Christ means anointed or anointing. Elsewhere in Colossians, Paul says that your life is hidden with Christ in God. You want to know what this means? This means that your life is hidden and your anointing in God. Your life is hidden in your anointing in God. I'm going to say it till you get it. Your life is hidden with your anointing in God. Translation, your life Every, your purpose, God's plan for you, it's all wrapped up and hidden in your anointing. Come on. That 
thing, that desire, that gift, that talent, that blessing that God has put on the inside of you. So many of us are asking the question, God, why am I here? Why did you put me here? Why am I in this family? Why am I in this city? Why am I in this region? The anointing is the answer to that that's on the inside of you. That calling, that gift, that blessing, that thing that God has put on the inside of you, that thing that you are anointed for. Come on. Some of us are anointed to teach. Some of us are anointed to preach. Some of us are anointed to sing. I ain't one of them. Come on, somebody. God has anointed. Some of us are anointed to be carpenters. Some of us are anointed to be business people, to be in the marketplace. Come on. Some of us need to really understand that God has placed something. Your whole entire, your entire life is hidden in your anointing. It is every why you're here. It's all hidden in the thing that God has placed on the inside of you that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal reveal to you. Whatever you are anointed to do, you will find your purpose in. Come on, some of us are anointed to preach. Come on, some of us are anointed to teach. Some of us are anointed in the marketplace for business. Some of us are anointed for carpentry or construction. Some of us are anointed for sales and to talk to people. Some of y'all can sell ice to an Eskimo. Come on, somebody. But whatever you are anointed in, that's what is tied to your purpose. That's what is tied to your book that is written in heaven. That is the area that God has predestined and preordained for you to go into that area or that avenue and change the world. Who am I talking to? Come on. Some of us in this room have been asking God, why am I here? What am I doing? What is my purpose? And I come to tell somebody this morning that what you are anointed for is what is written in your book. Get in tune with what God has placed on the inside of you and start walking in the Holy Spirit so that you can fulfill your destiny. Catch this now. The Bible says you were created in Christ for good works that we should walk in them. God creates the plan. He puts the door there. He puts the door there. Heck, he even opens some doors. He puts them there, and then he even opens them. But it'll be up to you whether you walk through them. Remember what I keep telling you. God creates opportunities. He does not seize them. God creates opportunities. He does not seize them. So God has predetermined. God has a predetermined presence door, meaning that the door will not open up until you show up at the door. My question to you today, my friends, is do I have any blood-bought, born-again, Holy Ghost-filled Christians that say I want to walk through my door, that say I'm not missing my opportunity? God created works for me to walk in. Come on. Susie Q can't walk in them. Come on, somebody. That door is for me. God prepared that for me. God has prepared it for me. Come on. Farmer John can't walk in what you got to walk in. Come on. That door ain't for him. It's for me. Come on. God prepared me. God sanctified me. God has called me, and I've got to step up, and I've got to do it. Come on. Some of you need to start the business. Some of you need to start the ministry. Some of you need to get it a real understanding that God has prepared certain things specifically for you. Come on. Can't nobody do it like you do it. Come on. Can't nobody say it like you say it. Can't nobody do it like I do it. 
Can't nobody say it like I say it. I'm trying to get through to some of y'all today that you've got to step up to the door and the opportunity that God has predestined and pre-prepared for your life. God has prepared good works for you to walk in and fulfill. God has prepared a door in front of us that no man can shut. But are you ready to walk through the door? It's because our, of our very, watch this, some doors are there because of our very existence. Some opportunities in this world are only there because God created us to fulfill them. And you think your life don't have purpose. Some things can only be done the way that you do them. I got to hurry up. Help me, Jesus. Y'all all right? I got 15 minutes. Y'all good? 15 minutes? Hayden, shake your head. Yes, son. My point, too, I want to bring, I, I got to show you this before we close today. But the second point I got to give you is Time. Time. In order to really understand all of this, you're going to have to understand how time works with God and how time works with us. So there are two words in the Bible for time, chronos and, and, and kairos, or uh, kairos, sorry, kairos. So chronos, it refers to a specific amount of time like a day or an hour. This watch that I have on, it is a chronom chronometer. It reads time by minutes and hours. That's what a chronometer does. Then there is kairos. This is an opportune time. A moment or a season such as harvest time, which also equates to the meaning that some doors and opportunities have a shelf life. That it opens in one moment, but that it can close in another and let me help us today. When God looks at your life, when God looks at your life and he goes to measure it, he does not measure it off of Kronos. He measures it off of Kairos. Because God is outside of time and space. He created it. Time is in him. So if God, if God's doors and opportunities are measured on Kairos timing, Knowing what season we are in will determine if we walk through the door. Remember in part one, I talked to us about spiritual sensitivity, that in if 5784, if we was going to walk through the God-given doors and the God-given opportunities that he was giving us, that we was going to have to be spiritually sensitive to the things that God is saying and doing. In First Chronicles 12 and 32, there is this interesting scripture. The Bible says this, from the sons of Issachar, they were men who understood the times. And with knowledge of what Israel should do. These were men who understood the times, and because they understood the times, they knew what to do. They was not looking at Kronos, but they was trying to understand Kairos, because that is God's timeline that he functions and operates on. 
Come on, are there any people in the room that want to know what to do and want to know the times and want to know the seasons and want to know what it is that God is asking of you to do in the season that you're in? Ecclesiastes 3 and 11, it says this. He said he has made everything appropriate in its time and he has put eternity in their heart. He has put eternity in their heart. Ah, there it is. What is finished in eternity, God takes what is finished in eternity and he places it in your heart. Well, how does he do that? By the Holy Ghost. Who is God? Who is eternal? God who is eternal comes to live in your heart. And now the Bible says that he is your God. Do y'all understand the disciples are complaining one day and, and Jesus is telling them, I'm about to have to die. I'm about to have to leave. And they say, no, no, what are you talking about, Jesus? You don't need to do, you don't need to do this. You don't need to leave anywhere. You are the best thing that happens to us. And he turns around and looks at them and says, no, 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 no. Y'all don't understand. It is better for you that I go because if I go, I can bring you the helper. If I go, I can bring you the Holy Spirit who knows everything about your life, who was there in heaven when the book was written about your life. I have placed eternity in your heart so that now you will know what to do. And then he says, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you. Have y'all ever had a guide before? Come on, let me help you. You don't want a guide who hasn't toured the facility of where you're wanting to go. But he says the Holy Spirit is your guide. So translation, what does this mean? This means that the Holy Spirit knows everything about you. And then when your regenerated spirit on the inside of you comes to life at the born again experience, it knows everything about you. So now these two need to be working in conjunction with one another so that you're walking in the plans and the purposes of God. Come on. The Holy Spirit is your GPS. You have a predetermined destination that God wants to get you to. But do you understand the things about GPS? We like to get off track from time to time. But we serve a God who's so good, it's like that little voice in Siri. She said, make a U-turn here. Turn left now. Turn right now. And then you can get right back on track to the destination. Uh, y'all all right? Because this is where people get messed up. The, the word predestination is it's just only God can even say that word. You understand that, right? Pre means before and destination means the end. predestination it's the word is an oxymoron and it say it doesn't even make sense but we serve a god who knows the end from the beginning come on somebody See, God never starts a thing until he finishes a thing. So then he goes to the end of your life, and that's where he starts. And that's why he's able to make a statement, I'm able to work all things for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. (laughs) 
we in time, we want to know the beginning from the end, but God in eternity says, I'm going to go here, and then I'm able to work it all out for the good. Come on. I'm telling some people in the house of God today, you need to get to know the Holy Ghost. It ain't nothing weird. It ain't nothing strange. You need to know the Holy Spirit of God. You need to engage with him. You need to shut yourself away with him and lock yourself in a room with you and the Holy Ghost where he can do heart surgery and he can fix the things in your life that need to be fixed and he can get you on the path that you need to be on so that you can reach your destination, which God will see to fruition. He's trying to get you to the destination. All this other stuff in between, he, he just so good, he'll work it out for your good in his glory. But he has an end goal. And when you listen to the Holy Spirit, you can get to the end goal. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God never starts a thing till he finishes it. Prove it, Pastor. No problem. 46, Isaiah 46 and 10. Declaring the end from the beginning. From the ancient times, things that are not done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do my pleasure. Romans 8 says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of his son. You understand? That's what you were predestined for. God's predetermined plan is that at the end of your life, you would look like Jesus. Watch this, because he foreknew. See, this is where we get things messed up. All you got to do is read it. Because those whom he foreknew, meaning that he knew what you was going to say. He knew that you would freely say yes to him. Amen. So when you freely say yes to him, he predetermined that at the end of your life, you would look more like Christ. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That is all past tense. Why? Because that was done in eternity where everything is finished. That's past tense. I'm going to help somebody today. That's who you are. You're called, you're justified, you're predestined, you've been made right with God, you're holy, you're blameless. You've been born again and filled with the Spirit of God. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? Come on. I am convinced that neither death nor life, angel nor demon, height nor depth, nor any other created thing can keep you from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. It's finished. It's, you can stop questioning yourself. It's finished. You can stop second-guessing yourself. It's finished. Let me show you something else about Kairos. Man, I got to hurry. Y'all all right? Y'all want me to preach? Don't say that. <laughs> Galatians 4 and 1. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to go. Watch this. Now, we're talking about time. Let me show you something about Kairos time. Some of Kairos time depends on you. Galatians 4 and 1. Now, I say that as an heir, as long as a child does not differ uh, that much from a slave, though he is master of it all, but is under guardians and stewards until the appointed time, Kairos, appointed by the father. Paul here under the unction of the Holy Spirit 
gets to talking about an appointed time, but then he throws an analogy in there about heirs and inheritance and being under stewards and guardians until the appointed time. When we are set up, when you are set up to inherit something, inheritance is only released at a certain place of maturity. So he is saying, as long as you are a child, as long as you are acting like a child, you will not get the inheritance that was freely given to you and that is actually already yours. But when you grow up, come on, touch your neighbor and tell them, grow up. Slap your other neighbor behind you and say, grow up. But when you grow up, come on, somebody. Paul says, when I, was like a, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. Come on. When I was a child, I thought like a child. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I did childish things. But when I became a man, come on, somebody. When I grew up, when I matured, I put away childish things. Come on. And I began, and God began to open me up. Some of us have doors and opportunities that God is wanting to open up to you. But until you grow up, you will never cross the threshold. I know that's tough. Don't worry. It gets better in a minute. But some of God has doors. God has seasons. God has opportunities for some of us. But until we grow up in the things of God and we stop responding like a child and we stop reacting like a child and we stop talking like a child and we stop carrying our responsibilities around like a child, you will not enter into the thing that God has for you. God is calling some of us in the room, on the live stream, in the nation of America and in the capital C church to just grow up. If we grow up, we could step into the things that God has for us. I'm trying to tell somebody that we can accelerate a Kairos season or a Kairos moment when we grow up and mature in the things of God. Let me put it like this. Maturity is up to us in the kingdom. A thing matures by feeding. What you're feeding on. Come on, a thing, a thing displays maturity by, watch this, being able to feed itself. If Sunday is the only day that you hear a scripture, you have proven to God that you're immature and that you are not ready for the open door that he has said is freely yours. I know that's hard, but let me give you some good news and I'm closing. Worship team, come on. Or just give me, give me some keys. Just give me keys. Come down here, Vince McMahon. That's an inside joke. Nobody knows what we're talking about but the worship team and me. <laughs> Watch this now. We've been talking about time. I just talked about how some of us need to mature and grow up and that we can walk through that door. We can actually cultivate a Kairos moment because God will not let you step into a thing that you are not ready for. It was not that the prodigal son got his inheritance. It was that the prodigal son got his inheritance too early. So watch this. We're talking about time. Maturity can help develop a Kairos moment because then that's God's. It doesn't matter about. I know Christians that are 60 years old and, and way more immature than some people that I know that are 20 years old because they stay in their word and they have matured in the things of God. And some of these older folks have done the church thing. I'm not saying all. 
It don't have nothing to do with the chronometer. It has to do with the kairos. What have you done with the doors and the opportunities and the seasons that God has placed before you? Now watch this. I got good news. I know that was tough. But watch this. Time is redeemable. The God who created time and space and is outside of it, although he's in it. He is able to redeem time. Oh, you don't believe me. Well, Ephesians 5 says, redeem the times for the days are evil. Then in Colossians 4, he says this. Continue earnestly in prayer. There's a key to get there. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, pray also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains that I may make manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeemed. I know what I said was rough a minute ago, and some of y'all are just, I, I can see it on you right now, beating yourself up about, man, I have wasted some times. I have wasted some opportunities. There's been some Kairos moments in my life, and I have let them pass me by because of my immaturity, because of my mistakes, because I won't pray, because I won't read my word, because I won't grow up in God, because I won't do this, because I won't do that. But can I help you this morning? There's one of them. Y'all ever seen one of them doors? They're usually at hotels. They just keep spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. And I, I want to compare that to this next opportunity that I'm giving is, and that really God is giving. I'm just speaking it but can I tell you that God is able to redeem the time what does that word mean what does redeem means it means buy back <laughs> Christ paid the price for you to be able to redeem the time that in the natural world you would never be able to get back. But in the spiritual world, God can accelerate some things in your life. And all of those years that you thought you lost and all of those times that you thought you wasted, we serve a great, big, mighty God who is able to redeem the times. I don't care how many opportunities have passed you by. I'm here to tell somebody today that there are opportunities, there are Kairos moments coming to your way in this next season. And you're not going to miss it because you've heard the word of God today and you understand that my God is able come on I said that my God is able to redeem the times I said he's able I said he's able I want you to shut yourself away with the Lord shut yourself away with the Lord bow your head shut yourself away with the Lord I want to talk to some people that feel like they've lost some time. I want to talk to some people that feel like they're never going to get that opportunity again. I want to talk to some people that feel like, man, my time has passed by for me to start that business. My time has passed by for me to start that ministry. My time has passed by me to write that book that God told me to write back in 1987. Come on. I'm telling you this morning that God is able to redeem the time. 
Come on, as you're shut away with the Lord, is there anybody in this room that says, I feel like I've lost time?